Hey everybody, this is 91.7 WMSE, and this is the Tiny Film Invasion. Uh, this is Christopher. Blythe is out this week in New York, um, which I'm sure is very pleasant. And today I have a special guest. Her hello. Na- say hello. Hello. Perfect. Uh, this is uh, Ms. Crystal Plahuta. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Christopher. It's oh, a pleasure. Yeah, great to be here. And um, Crystal, uh, if I can, can I say where you work? Please. Uh, she works at the glorious Oriental Theater. Absolutely. Favorite place in the city. That's right. <laughs> You've probably seen her there. I'm the one with the asymmetrical hairdos. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> very identifiable and super appropriate for Tiny Film Invasion because you are tiny. I am. I am. Yeah, you're, what, I'm going to say five. Two and a half. Five, yeah. two and a half towering. That's, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I am a, an anomaly of the show. <laughs> I'm six feet tall. But as I say all the time, I'm emotionally four nine. <laughs> So Crystal's joining us today. Um, we're going to, well, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about soon, but uh, I'll tell you the originally she was going to be on last week. We had decided the show was going to be called, if you remember, uh, Shut Up or Crud Up. Shut Up or Crud Up. Um, I, we're not really sure which of us, I, I, she's pretty sure she created that phrase. Yes. I said, put up or crud up. And then I, that was just a version of what you said. Yeah. This joke goes deep. Yeah. Um, we were going to talk about Billy Crudup, all based on the fact that we thought he was in a lot of movies he wasn't in. Right. Right. The guy from <laughs> That Thing You Do and Frequency. The jazz singer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, E.T. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, that's a great premise for a show, a whole show. But um, in lieu, of course, uh, not in lieu, uh, since um, da- the passing of David Bowie, we thought obviously we needed to talk about uh, him. And uh, the great thing is that WMC has been playing a ton of Bowie this week, and it's been great. And uh, we are going to talk about the movie side of Mr. Bowie, but we're also going to play a couple of his songs as well. Very exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. And uh, uh, as usual, we did show, we've done shows, uh, in memoriam shows before. We like to, uh, it's sad, but we like to just celebrate the stuff that's happened. So this will still be a fun show talking about some of the great movies that uh, David Bowie was in. So I think first off, we're going to talk about. Oh, I hope it's Labyrinth. It is going to be Labyrinth. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> is that, would you say that's probably his most successful or popular movie he's ever been in? Oh, it has to be for right? me at least. And, yeah. and folks from my generation, that was one of the big movies when I was young, yeah. old enough to get way into it, but still young enough that it was a bit terrifying, Yeah, uh, largely because of him as the Goblin King. What a <laughs> yeah. spooky character with the glass balls juggling those around. Yeah. He was, uh, somebody said he's uh, like uh, intimidating enough to be the, the the villain, but also secretly desired by the adult crowd. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure the costuming uh, yeah, helped that along. strategic yeah. uh, in both aspects. Yeah, I remember this. This movie was huge when I was a kid. I think we both, even though we're uh, different ages, I still feel like it hit us. At a good time. As most people, I remember The Dark Crystal was one that people were talking yeah, about I was a just lot. That, yeah. And that one kind of escapes my memory. Oh, and really? I don't okay. know how that one uh, is in the same conversation with Labyrinth because it seemed that Labyrinth was always the yeah. big film. Well, see, since I am a little older, uh, <laughs> Dark Crystal also caught me at that time and I loved it. But 
It didn't have David Bowie in it. Right. I mean, David Bowie was like a just like a surprise, a surprise for that movie. I mean, not you knew it ahead of time, but like having him in a Jim Henson movie it's at that point, like, oh yeah, please do that. Right. But yeah, Dark Crystal is also terrifying. Yes. I mean, they both. I think they're compared a lot just because they're Jim Henson's Jim Henson, movie. Right. They're close together, and they're both. A mixture of something for kids and something to scare kids for the right. rest of their life. Right. <laughs> the one thing Labyrinth had that Dark Crystal didn't have was the music. Um, yeah. And so many of those songs, I remember singing them to this day. And yeah. as a matter of fact, I've just realized that you remind me of the babe. I, uh, though, what <laughs> babe? <laughs> the babe with the power. What? Wait, what power? The power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Do what? You remind me of the babe. See, I told you that was going to happen organically, <laughs> and I messed it up a little bit. You did a little bit. I felt pretty good. No, I remember doing that all the time, <laughs> still to this day with friends. And, and you know, it, everybody can call out right on point with that. I love that one. <laughs> that was a semi-rehearsed. When we do the live show, it'll be better. This, I assume, <laughs> right, is Right, this is the rehearsal. Right? We're just practicing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the music is amazing, and I, re- I was listening to it, and I realized how much of it I still just, I remember all mm-hmm. the words to it. Mm-hmm. It does hit you at that point. Uh, same with the Lost Boys soundtrack, oddly enough. I ha- will never, I won't listen to it for years, and all of a sudden I remember every, right. <laughs> everything. Right. Um, so apparently the film Labyrinth wasn't originally going to be a musical at all. It was go- It had no music in it. Is that right? Was that... Up until before, David Bowie yeah, yeah, was, was up cast, until, and then it was up until David Bowie. They wanted to go that direction, and then um, so interesting. Terry Jones from uh, Monty Python right. wrote the script. The, he wrote the first draft. Um, then other people took shots at it and changed it, including like George Lucas and Elaine May. And then I think they had Terry Jones at the end, to kind of uh, finish it right. off. Yeah, but he was kind of angry. Not, I don't know about angry, but he was not pleased with it. He said it was not his original vision. He consented to do the stuff they wanted. He didn't want David Bowie. Like all, I think he was making a lot of bad decisions. Right. Time <laughs> 2020 is told. Hindsight. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is fascinating. Um, also, yeah, I think originally George Henson, want, I mean, George Henson? No. Wrong one. Yeah, that's a different Henson. I don't even I'm know that there is a George his Henson. His cousin, Jim Henson, slightly more popular, <laughs> originally meant um, the Goblin King to be another puppet, like a really big puppet. Oh, wow. That would have been different very indeed. Different, <laughs> different indeed. A very different movie. And no music. Yeah, probably not. Just all the way terrifying, I suppose. Yeah. So we're going to do the soundtrack today is going to be from uh, Labyrinth, mostly. I have a I have a personal a one at the end that I wanted to end. do, uh, but we're going to go ahead and start uh, the soundtrack from Labyrinth with our first song, which is obviously Magic Dance. You remind me of the babe, babe with the power. I saw my baby crying for the babe could cry. What could I do? Welcome back to 91.7. 
Uh, WMSC, this is Tiny Film Invasion. I'm here with Crystal Plahuta. Hello again. I can't say your name normally. You really well. Okay. I like saying it like that. Uh, we're talking, obviously, about uh, David Bowie and his contribution to fine films, such as Labyrinth. Yes, I hope nobody heard me whisper singing along yeah. with Magic Dance there. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard right when we came back. I was being prompted to do, I think, the baby voice. <laughs> I think at that point, we it's really difficult. So let's go over real quick. I didn't write it down his entire filmography, right. but I did write down the like uh, the high. I what I consider the highlights, and it's funny because we're doing. I think I told you this. We're doing a, a year of Tilda, Tilda Swinton, Swinton, who's his uh, doppelganger, body yeah. double. Yeah, <laughs> and we were talking about how all of her roles are so amazingly varied, and also uh, a good chunk of them are just bananas. Yeah. So, what do we have here? Man Who Fell to Earth. He plays an alien. 76. Yeah. And we just watched that, so I hope we get a chance to talk about that Definitely, in a little bit. Yeah. Just a Gigolo, which is a funny name for a David Boy movie, where he plays a Gigolo in The Hunger. Oh, yes. Yeah, sexy Vampire. Yeah, Sexy Vampire. <laughs> plays a uh, translator, I think, in a, in a world, I want to say World War II translator. I don't think that's the right war. Uh, but Goblin King, Pontius Pilate. Um, what is he in Twin Peaks? He oh he comes in a, in in a dream yeah. uh, sequence. I'm, he's not a full character. He's just a, another amongst the yeah. David Lynch interesting cameos. He fits right into that world though. And then I love that he had played Andy Warhol in Basquiat. Basquiat is one of my favorite art themed movies, and he's a perfect Andy Warhol. Uh, he plays he's played a, an immortal two or three times and an alien a couple of times. Uh, and Tesla. Tesla just watched just watched that the other day. The Prestige. Yes, yes. I'm in a months long Christian Bale marathon, so that fit neatly <laughs> into uh, that viewing schedule. So I saw that movie a while ago, and I remember liking it, mm-hmm. but my brain is is dry and cracked, yes. and I don't remember a lot of things. Yes. So the film is about two magicians, mm-hmm. and then what's Tesla? What's David Bowie's part in it? He's Nikola Tesla, yeah. and one of the magicians is going to him. Hugh Jackman's character is soliciting him to do some re- real magic Tesla-style science yeah. to uh, <laughs> get the edge on Christian Bale's magician character. Yeah. Um, rewatch it, especially if you forget the plot line. It I definitely do. holds up. Yeah. And, you know, Bowie's not in it much, but perfect uh, perfect sort of casting. Even when he's only in it for a few minutes, well, he's his, captivated. That's like his screen. cup of tea. I mean, he does, he's in a bunch of great movies where he's featured or he's, he stars, but people are great about like putting him in just where he needs to be. Right. Even in the goofy, in a goofy movie like Zoolander. Zoolander. Where he plays himself <laughs> Just perfectly. perfect. <laughs> perfect. Oh. <laughs> um, speaking of perfect casting, we, were, we also want to talk about uh, his first real featured role in a film. Um, I think he'd been in some shorts and some small parts, but 1976, he was in The Man Who Fell to Earth. Right. He played an alien who, what happened then? He left his wife and children behind on some unnamed planet. We don't know anything about that past besides he left the wife and kids behind to come find water. That's right. His home planet's having a drought. Yeah. and, And he crashes down. 
And then he builds up an empire. A huge, a huge empire, empire. Seemingly overnight, but time kind of <laughs> escapes you in this movie. I don't know how long the course of the movie. Well, everyone was old by the end yeah. of it, uh, except for him. He didn't seem to have aged. Yeah. So we watched this movie the other day, and neither of us had seen it before. I remember, I vaguely remember, I think this is a movie my uncle had when I was little. And I remember wisps of scenes. But just as a young person, I don't know if it got any um, more uh, tangible or intelligible (laughs) as an adult here. But I remember it being on in the distance as a child. But I never watched it uh, properly. Yeah. And it was, I think we can agree, it was amazing. Oh, it was was fantastically bizarre. Yeah. It is one of the weirdest I'd say in the top 20, because I've seen a lot of weird movies. <laughs> so I'm going to put in the top 20 weirdest movies I've ever seen. And Do people know that this is a proper category yeah, of I've, your I have explained, I will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will reiterate, weird, first of all, I'm using it super complimentary in a complimentary fashion. I love Yeah, some it, of the best stuff. Yeah. When it escapes any other genre. That's yeah, a, just I like it when it's super imaginative and, <laughs> and, uh, and outside the box. Um but yeah, the narrative, there is a narrative, mm-hmm. um, though it is just accompanied by a little bit of confusion and a lot of, people use the word surreal imagery a lot, and I feel sure. like they use it wrong, but I'm going to say it just because it's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really odd imagery and uh, some mild performances that turn into over-the-top performances. Yes. It's fantastic. It is, but it is a bizarre journey. Yeah, there are a few provocative adult-natured scenes that were (laughs) very extended in nature. Uh, It's interesting because it was the weirdest love scene I've ever seen. Right. Maybe with the aliens and the milk oatmeal stuff. (laughs) So it's uh, apparently, well. Jeez, I really don't know how much of this. None of this is graphic by human standards. It's super graphic by alien standards from what I am led to believe. I think they were getting at, right? Yeah. Uh, But you should, maybe there's like a YouTube clip, just Google an alien (laughs) love scene. David Bowie. It's amazing. (laughs) It's interesting, too, because the movie was just shy of two and a half hours. Yeah. And... Man, so they they work to keep every single minute of all that in, and that's in a time where it's hard to earn <laughs> two and a half hours for a movie. So yeah, and one thing about the movie that we noticed too is the um, identifying the clues that tell you that time has passed. Right. <laughs> they really they made you work for it, and sometimes right. sometimes. Well, in the beginning, it's you. I mean, over the course of maybe five minutes, he yeah. goes from. You know, Having $20. getting twenty dollars at a pawn shop to. Right. Uh, Having a, a wor- the world enterprises, <laughs> yeah. the largest company in the world. <laughs> Which ones you do notice it? Like, oh, that's an impressive use of your time in a film. Yeah, <laughs> twenty minutes, world, yeah. world enterprise. Yeah, there's that thing. This is off slightly on topic, but there's a thing where you, I don't know what it's called, but you trade up, like you trade a like a a, a paperclip for a pen, and you trade the pen for something slightly more value. And uh, apparently, people can do this up until they have a car. Not odd. I, I, I don't know what that's called, but I'm, assu- yeah. I'm assuming that a man who fell to earth invented that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm realizing. Oh, and how he makes, well, first he sells some stuff. He pawns rings that he, I don't know how he has them, but but eventually he sells some patents he has from his mm-hmm. advanced alien math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And those patents are, are the things that start the, the business. Right. But the funny thing is some of the technology that you see that is supposed to be futuristic technology in the movie is like pretty commonplace now. Yeah. yeah. Like instant instant cameras. Right. And uh, my favorite was the um, 
he's wearing glasses and they pull the shades back and his glasses turn to sunglasses. Right. right. I love that that made him but he had 300 a million button dollars. on the side or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, his was button operated. Yeah. But I loved seeing it. Uh, if you haven't seen The Man Who Fell to Earth, definitely check it out if you are into movies that maybe aren't Bridge of Spies. I feel like it's not a Bridge of Spies movie. No, it's not Bridge of Spies. <laughs> um, are we going to do, let's do the second song. Let's do it. Um, also from Labyrinth, and uh, this one is Underground. Uh, WMSE, this is the Tiny Film Invasion. I'm Christopher, and I'm here with Crystal. Hello. Talking about David Bowie and his contribution to movies, of course, uh, and playing some great songs from Labyrinth, which is probably his most iconic role in film, I think. Seems to be. Yeah. Um, The great thing, the wonderful people at the Avalon who do some really timely, wonderful programming when stuff like this occurs um, are showing Labyrinth Tomorrow night at midnight, um, Saturday, they have a 10.30 a.m. screening. So smart. Something for the adults, something for the kids. Yeah. And then Monday, they've had, had a, they have a screening um, at 9.30 p.m. All $5 admission. All well. $5 admission, yeah. So those guys are great. Uh, when they had the Back to the Future thing came out, really they great. jumped on top of it. Um, <laughs> so really good stuff. I should check that out and enjoy Bowie in his iconic role. Um by the way, the I found I found out that the "You Remind Me of the Babe" uh, dialogue yeah. um, was direct reference to an exchange between Cary Grant and Shirley Temple in The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. Is that true? Yeah, we should do our research. Go watch that one next. I know, <laughs> I know, all references, uh, an all reference show. But um, yeah, when it came out, apparently had very mixed reviews. It did very badly in the box office, which is so interesting. Because now it is like a huge cult mm-hmm. success and mm-hmm. everybody knows it. A lot of the best things turn yeah, out that I know, way, that's though. That's true. Um, also, more facts. We like facts. Let's hear some facts. Uh, Man Who Fell to Earth. Um, Bowie won the Saturn Award at the uh, 26th Berlin Festival, uh, International Film Festival for Best Actor in Man Who Fell to Earth. I can see that, except for the one scene where things got a little bit weak. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was it very dramatic? Yes. Yeah. Up against the door frame. Yeah, super melodramatic. Maybe that's what they're going for. I'm not quite sure. Well, <laughs> this is a great segue um, because I read that. Um, so during this filming of Man Who Fell to Earth, Bowie was heavily into cocaine at this point. Mm. Um, and he said, uh, I'm so pleased that uh, I made that film, but I didn't really know what was being made at all. <laughs> and then this is a great uh, quote from him too. Um, 
I just threw my real self into that movie as I was at that time. It was the first thing I'd ever done. I was virtually ignorant of the established procedure of making movies, so I was going a lot on instinct, and my instinct was pretty dissipated. I just learned the lines for that day and did them the way I was feeling. It, w- it wasn't that far off. I was actually feeling as alienated as that character was. It was a pretty natural performance, a good exhibition of somebody literally falling apart in front of you. I was totally insecure with about 10 grams of cocaine a day in me. I was stoned out of my mind from beginning to end. Now, that's a little sad, but what is interesting is that right before I watched, uh, we watched this movie, I had seen this um, Dick Cavett show interview with David Bowie, which okay. was around that time. And I did notice the way he was on the show was very similar to the character. Is that right? Just sort of quiet and shy, a little bit flirty, uh, but mostly quiet and shy and kind of uh, observing things kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, it's really interesting because it was a very different Bowie at that time, obviously. Right. 70s. You had told me there was a Michael Fassbender fact. I'm really waiting to hear what this is. You're teasing me it, with it, yeah. Because you're a Fassbender head. Oh, is that yes. a thing? Is I, that what they call? I don't know. If that's a... uh, well, there's just looking at the cult status um, and the kind of the influence of the man who fell to earth. Sure. I didn't realize how many references in pop culture there were to it, having not seen it until now. Sure. But um, I'll end with the Fassbender one. Okay. But um, the Doctor Manhattan's apartment in um, uh, Watchmen? Uh, the Watchmen, uh, the retreat. Uh, was based on the set of Man Who Fell to Earth. Oh. The typeface from the film's poster inspired the logo uh, for Iron Maiden. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, music videos from like Scott Whelan, Marilyn Manson, Guns N' Roses were based, were part of them were based on Man Who Fell to Earth. And then finally, Michael Fassbender said that uh, he used Bowie's performance as an inspiration for the android David in Ridley Scott's oh, in Prometheus. Uh, Prometheus yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now you have to go back and watch a lot of other stuff. I don't think anything see. will get me to watch Prometheus again. <laughs> uh, but I remember Fassbender's yeah. performance well, and I, I see it in there. Um, so we got those two movies. There's so many more movies um, that he's been in that I want to talk about, but we just have Are a little bit of time left. Of time? Well, you know, can I make one minutes. comment? Something as I'm looking here at the discography that I find is interesting. Uh, I had thought for a while, I kind of put uh, David Bowie and Tom Waits on a par when you see them pop up in a movie yeah. and they're in a cameo role and you're just, ha- I mean, yeah. David Bowie popping into Zoolander, you're happy that they put David Bowie in that role. And and this is by no means a slight on Tom Waits, of course, but um, I it, it's becoming apparent that David Bowie definitely had more... Uh, Maybe more interest in widening the sort of roles that he's doing or a variety of performance. And for as much as you see David Bowie in the characters that he plays, there surely is range to it. And that's something I've come to appreciate looking at just how many different places he's sprung up. That's a good point. Yeah. He well, he apparently studied. He studied art, but he was in theater before he got into movies. And he, I think he even took like a mime class like in college. He studied it, so he wasn't completely new to it. Sure. Plus, he was – it's interesting because both of them, Tom Waits and David Bowie, are very theatrical on stage. Sure. But David Bowie puts on characters as right. opposed to Tom Waits as just versions of Tom Waits. Right. But in very theatrical settings. Sure. The big oh, – Tom – what is the Tom Waits uh, – the big – Something. Oh. It's a concert no, film. No, no, the big. It's not like the, the big fun. The big. And you're saying the wrong words. That's what's messed me up. 
Pretty sure big, big time. Big time. Yeah, big that's time. it. That's it. <sighs> Took a second. <laughs> big time is a great one for Tom Waits to check out because he does a bunch of characters, sure. but they're all essentially Tom Waits, right. as opposed to David Bowie, who is really who spreads his all wings. All over. But yeah, the two of them. I've thought about the two of them together a lot because I love it. And it's you know you definitely see in his some of his early career, and then no, actually throughout his whole career, people just like throwing him into the mix. Sure. Because they know the reaction is going to be very positive. It's going to be right. very like, oh my gosh, David Bowie showed up. Right. And the same with Tom Waits. When Tom Waits was right. Renfield in Dracula, yeah. one of him and Gary Oldman, the only two things I liked about that movie. Sure. But just seeing them, they're so charismatic. And I think that's what really drives it. Like just right. seeing them show up is going to get people excited. Right. So amazing, amazing stuff. So we're almost at the end. And what I did, a little different, usually we have the soundtrack that's all the same from the same film, but I have like a personal connection to the last song that we're going to play. When I was, I would say 13, um, this <laughs> this terrible slash amazing movie called <laughs> Cat People came out <laughs> with Nastasia Kinski and Ru- I think Rutger Hauer or Malcolm, no, Malcolm McDowell. And uh, yeah, they played Cat People, people <laughs> who turn into Panthers. And apparently they... They turn into, if they have sex, they turn into a panther. They can't turn back into a person (laughs) until they kill someone. That old dilemma. We've all faced it. Right. Common tale. Yeah. (laughs) It was, uh, it says cat people and the the log line is an erotic thriller. I love, I I don't feel people do that enough anymore. But that movie at the time, for some reason, well, not for some reason, it was 13 and there was Nastasi Kinski's in it. So that was the reason I was super excited about it. But I genuinely think, as far as I can remember, this is my first exposure to David Bowie. He's not in the movie, but he did do this. I don't know if he did the song for the movie or they just used it. I have a feeling he used he They just used it, Tom? He did it for the movie. He did it for the movie. That's what I thought. Um, but this, I believe, is my first exposure to David Bowie. So I wanted to play it. Um, and I still love the song. So uh, thanks, Crystal, for being well, thanks here. Thanks so much for having me. Did you have a good time? I did. I can't wait for uh, crud up hours. Yeah, crud up or shut up is going to happen again. So uh, <laughs> Crystal will be back. And so we're going to thank you for listening. And we're going to leave you with Putting Out Fire by David Bowie from Cat People.
mother's heart that can never mend His tears can never dry Judgment made can never bend See these eyes 